God before us, God beside us, God behind us, God above us. Be also now between us, a bridge through which your truth may move. In the name of the one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Stop. I want to get off. Y'all ever said that to yourselves? I'm a big fan of Six Flags. I love roller coasters. And so if you don't know this, Six Flags has the very best roller coasters, in my opinion, except for the wooden one, which I'm now too old to ride because it messes up my back. So there you go. But... They have one called Superman where you get into it and you don't, your legs aren't on anything and your arms are kind of dangling out. I suppose that you can put them out in front of you and act like you're Superman. And then you do some flips and do all that kind of stuff. Great, great ride. My favorite is called Goliath, which is one that at certain points in it, 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 I know it doesn't come off the tracks, but it feels like it's coming off the tracks. So it gives you that sensation kind of scare the lights out of you, and uh, then goes around and does all this stuff. I can handle all those. Those are easy. I can take them, I eat them like candy, right? Bring on the next one. What I don't like so much are rides that involve great, great heights, and they have one there called arachnophobia, I think, or something, acrophobia, some, something like that. And what it is, they say it's taller than the Arc de Triomphe, so it's like I don't know, 20 stories high or 15 stories. I don't know how tall it is. It's tall and taller than I ever really want to be again without a lot of security or glass around me. And so what you do is you go up in a swing. It's like a swing when you were a kid that is like a piece of cardboard that has some leather wrapped around it and a little pole like that's like about this big and they put it kind of down in front of you. Again, something you could probably bend in half if you really tried hard. And then they take you up slowly um, around this giant pole. So there's like, you know, 30 people around this pole, and you're going up slowly up about 15 stories into the air. And it's great until you get to about story number 10 or 12, and then you start thinking, you know, I don't really like this so much. This, this isn't so nice. And then you just keep going and keep going, and they're playing these little nursery rhymes, which is creepy in and of itself. <laughs> And so then you get to the top, and they play this. And then the nursery rhymes that are sweet and kind of lovely become ominous. And then this kind of scary clown voice comes on and says something about, you know, you get ready to die or something horrible like that. And at that point in time, I thought, okay, I, I want to get off. How, how do I get off of this thing? You know, there's no platform where they can let the old people like me off to go down. And I thought, I guess they could just kind of take us slowly down and have an ambulance waiting for me at the bottom. <laughs> and then as I was thinking all of these things, I heard this click. And you know what that means, right? Moments later, you just, it's like a free fall down to the ground. And I guess about five stories off the ground, they kind of break you. And then you're let gently down to the ground. Stop, stop, I want off of this madness. Get me off of this. There was a movie 
that came out years and years and years ago. It was, it was a flop, but it was based on a musical called Stop the World, I Want to Get Off. Um, it starred Tony Tanner and Millicent Martin, who I've never really seen in anything other than that and would not have seen this unless I was watching television very late one night. But it, it goes through the life of a guy by the name of Little Chap. And his first major step in life, I guess, to, towards improving himself, as he thought this would improve him, I guess, um, was that he married Evie, the boss's daughter. Um, I hope that they were in love, and it wasn't just because she was the boss's daughter. So they get married, and then he goes through life and becomes saddled with responsibilities and family, and he allows a growing dissatisfaction with where he thinks things ought to be or where the way he envisioned them and the way things, way things are to um, kind of play into this dissatisfaction. So he basically far, falls into the arms of infidelity with Anya, a Russian woman, Ilse, uh, a German woman, and Jenny, an American. And then in the twilight of his life, he realizes that what he wanted was there all along in his faithful spouse, Evie, the one who gave him love enough to sustain him. And yet, at some point in life, we have been like little chap. Maybe not with a relationship, but maybe it was a job. Maybe it was just life in general. Maybe it was school at some point. Stop. I want to get off. And if you haven't said that at one point in your life, then you're fooling yourself. You're lying to yourself, right? I mean, relationships are hard. Not just marriages, but friendships in any relationship. And at some point in time, you've said, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I'm cut out for this friendship. I don't know if I'm cut out for this. Stop. I want to get out. This isn't the way I envisioned life, right? Or your job. Or I can remember a point in law school um, where I just finished a torts exam that I thought that I had absolutely and utterly failed. And so I began at 22 years old. You know, your whole life is in front of you. But when you're 22, you don't see it that way. Coming off of what I thought was a, as an inevitable failure, I thought, okay, I just failed, failed torts. I I'm I'm, probably won't make my grades. I'm going to get kicked out of law school. Then everybody will know I got kicked out of law school. Then I won't get a job. And then I'll go a year without a job. And then I'll be homeless. And then all these things that go into your mind. You're like, stop. I want to get off of this madness. And we get so filled with fear is what it boils down to. And I talk a lot about fear because I think that it's at the heart of everything and everyone at some point or another in life. And probably more often than we want to admit. It is a fear of moving forward. A fear of what might be. A fear of this thing called life. This fear of whatever it is that we are facing. Stop. I want to get off. And I think about that when I read today's gospel. Particularly when I read today's scripture and the words of Jesus. Because Jesus demands some fairly difficult things. And things that at first can fill us with fear. A fear of, I don't know about this. I don't know if I'm cut out for this. I don't know if I can make this journey, right? I mean, last week he told us to be on guard against greed, 
We talked a little bit about that. He told a parable of a man who collected more and more and more and never shared so that he would have enough for his old age. And then he reaches old age and he hasn't built anything lasting in his life. And God calls him a fool. And this week, Jesus tells us to sell our possessions and to give alms, to be dressed for action and to serve. He gives the gift of the kingdom and the power of the kingdom and calls on us to be generous, to sell our possessions, to serve others in radical ways, to break down social barriers, to be dressed for action. The opposite of generosity and service is not stinginess and lack of attention. It is fear And frankly, I don't know if I can do it. Right? Something that that has always bothered me about this gospel, this particular lesson, is we said last week that John Claypool always says that um, Jesus in the parables or when he's telling a story is using love to cast out fear. Perfect love always casts out fear. And Jesus is perfect love. And yet, when I read this gospel on its face, I'm filled with a little bit of some heart palpitations, right? Give me the beta blocker, because I don't know if I can do this. You know, because he tells a story about someone who has been out at a wedding banquet, and he says, be ready, be on guard, because he's coming back, right? And so the way I first read that is he's coming back to take names, right? Kick butt and take some names. So you best be ready, because daddy's coming home. And he's not gonna, it's gonna be like dad after a hard day at work, right? And so I start thinking, wow, I don't want dad to come home. Stay at work a little longer. Wait till we go to bed, right? And so that can't be what this ultimately means. Because Jesus always uses love to cast out fear. So if you're reading it and it's filling you with fear, if you're like me, on its face it fills you with a certain amount of fear because you're just never sure if you measure up to the expectations of the one coming home, it can't mean that. So think about it. The the master of the house has been at a wedding banquet. And I don't know about you, but when I go to wedding banquets, when there's banquet involved in wedding, it's a pretty good time. I mean, I've been to a few that weren't so great, but by and large, it's fun. And it tells us that the master of the house not only went to a wedding banquet, but that the master of the house came back very, very late. If I'm not having fun, I'll leave early, right? Well, I got to get up early in the morning. I'll, I'll see you all later, right? So we've had somebody who has not only enjoyed fellowship, who has enjoyed a wonderful party, but he comes home. And be ready is open the door to let him in because what does he do? It's not dad after a long day at work. Right? Go to your rooms, line up for spankings, whatever it is. Right? Show me your homework. I'm going to check this off. If it's not absolutely perfect, you're going to get it. No. The master serves them. The master comes and takes all of this wonder that he has enjoyed and he shares it with them. He gives them the banquet that he has just enjoyed. 
The be ready is not be ready or else. You're going to get it. Be ready. Because this kingdom, this love, this banquet is yours to share. Don't you want that? Don't you want to be ready for that? Isn't that worth staying up for? That kind of love, that kind of acceptance. The king of kings, your creator, serving you. And strengthening you at table to go out and do that for others. That, that my friends casts out fear. That is perfect love. You all ever heard of Sheehy Giuseppe? You all know that in my saying the first name right? I'd never heard of this guy. But my sons were talking about him the other day. Oh yeah, the NFL player who was homeless. What are you talking about? Well, he plays for the Cleveland Browns, which is probably why you don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> no offense to Cleveland Browns fans. I guarantee you in the next three years, the Browns will be in the playoffs, right? Um, anyway, Shehi Giuseppe was, uh, had been in junior college, and um, he had been at Phoenix College. And he was pretty good, right? I think he was even an All-American at some point. But like so many people, he had banked his hopes on making it to the NFL and all of his dreams and all the things that he thought were going to happen didn't meet reality because he didn't get drafted. So he spent the next couple of years kind of wandering from one job to another. And at one point in his life, he was basically homeless. He spent the night at his 24-hour gym, which I guess is good that he was staying in shape, but it's not exactly where you want to have to spend the night. Um, And then one day, he heard about the Cleveland Browns having tryouts or they were in a workshop of some kind so he went down there and he told a little white lie he conned his way onto the field by telling them that he was a personal friend of the vice president of personnel Alonzo Highsmith and they let him on the field and so after a few trials they were overly impressed and they said we want you to come back the next day And then the next day, and believe it or not, he got a place or an offer undrafted on the Cleveland Browns. And one of the first games of the year, he fielded a punt and ran it back 86 yards for a touchdown. He said this at one point, or someone said this, if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. You're able to enjoy the blessings that await. What if we lived life like that? Not out of fear, not out of have to, but live life knowing that God has blessing in store. That on the other side of everything that we are going through this day, in those moments where you say, I want to get off, stop it all. Stop the world, because it is crazy, right? Y'all, it's always been crazy. As Solomon said, there's nothing new under the sun. So when you say that, think about the divine one who knew you, who created you, who has good things in store for you. Be ready to open the door. For the kingdom of heaven has come. Stop, I want to get off.
I want to get on. But let's remember that wherever we decide to get on or off, that when we do, we step into the hands of the one who already has given all to us in every way imaginable. He gave his all for us, his very life. His very life to serve us. Are you ready for the blessing? Amen.